Welcome to the Hyper Fast Show, where we believe unlimited growth in business and life is created by surrounding yourself with people who have been where you are going. Learning from others allows you to compress time and grow hyper fast. And now, here are your hosts, Kerry Shaw and Dan Lesniak. Kerry and Dan are real estate developers, best-selling authors, billion-dollar agents, and million-dollar agent makers. And now, get ready to grow hyper fast. Welcome to the Hyper Fast Show. I am here with Roland Frazier. And Roland, I am so appreciative of your mentorship, of you being there to support me through a time that I went through last year when I was doing an event. And it was a little scary. And someday I'll tell you guys the full story. But Roland that is saved me. It's a good me. story. Yeah. You did Perry save and me. I, I remember Deanna sitting around and you guys pulled me in a room and you were like, we need to roast you. So help here. <laughs> so your specialty, you're a ninja at putting business deals together and helping structure deals where you don't even have to put a lot of money in. I like the challenge of that. It's incredible. It's a gift. So there's a lot of real estate agents that are watching today, and I wanted to talk through how they could add partners, ancillary businesses that would support and add revenue to their main real estate business. Sure. So you probably know the list better than I do of all the different things you can do because you've done such a great job. But my business partners, Sam and uh, Sam Karamian and uh, Oliver Graff at Big Block Realty do this. And so initially it was putting around a brokerage, putting around the ancillary services. We saw that the big companies like Keller Williams and, and those giant agencies really seem to make most of their money not from the primary business but from title, escrow, that kind of thing. Sure. So, um, so I think the, the easy, low-hanging fruit would be services that are directly related to the, the primary transaction like those. But beyond that, there's a lot of companies like, uh, or a lot of services and things that people who are moving are going to need to take advantage of that aren't directly related to the real estate transaction itself, mm-hmm. like a moving company or power or cable or all of those kinds of things. And so we have over the over the years made deals with other companies like that and said, hey, if you're we're sending you a lot of business in this particular, like we're sending a you know, I think the moving company was 30% of the business. And so you go to them and you say, I know my favorite thing to say is I know that you're probably worried that we're not going to continue to send you business. And that's a really cool way to start because it's not... Then they're like, whoa, I wasn't worried, but now I am. Yeah, so uh, (laughs) I like starting with that. And then I don't think it makes sense to build somebody else's brand without participating in it if you're having a significant impact. So to me, the rule of thumb is if you're sending 10% or more of the revenue to another company then I think that you, it makes sense for you to approach them and talk about, have a conversation at least about having an ownership interest. So I like to start with that. I know that, that you're probably worried that we might not continue sending the business and we don't want you to worry about that. We, have, we ha- have been thinking about doing this ourselves or buying a company like that because we're sending you a lot of business. Yeah. And, um, but then we started thinking, well, gosh, we already know, like, and trust you guys. Why don't we see if we could work something out with you to have a part of the business, and then that opens the door for the conversation. Awesome. Yeah. So I like that opener. I think it it broadens their mind that they have a problem that they didn't even know they had. Yeah. And then if you were coming up with the structure for that deal, for someone who was trying to execute on that, even myself, with the moving company, I don't have a partnership 
with that yet. What would that look like? How would you go about doing it? It really depends on the size. So your your sweet spot is if, if it's a publicly held company or a, a part of a huge company or they're doing hundreds of millions of dollars a year, it's probably not the right company because it doesn't really make sense for them to do that. But sure. at the same time, if it's that big a company, you're probably not sending them 10% or more of their revenue, right? right. So that's why I like that as kind of a, a tipping point. When you get uh, to... To making the to having the conversation, talking about the structure, the initial approach to me is you should give us this percentage of your company, and and to me it just depends and what what percentage it might be. I think anywhere between ten and fifty is good. I generally like to if if it's something that I think has a lot of potential, I like to have fifty percent or more. If it's going to be something that that isn't something that I see selling maybe or being worth a whole lot of money, then we might do less if we're not going to have a lot of activity with it. If we're only sending 10% versus say 20 or 30%, it might be lower, but it's a negotiation. Sure. So I generally just say, why don't you give us half your business? That's where I start. Why don't you give us half your business? And in exchange, we'll continue to send you not only the business that we're sending, but now we'll be incentivized to actually think about how can we send business to the company. And if it's a savvy negotiator on the other side, they might say, well, but our business is worth X. And if you're going to get 50%, that's 50% times X. So let's say we think it's worth a million dollars. So you should pay us a half a million dollars, in which case it either might not go anywhere or you just say, okay, well, I was thinking about doing this, like buying a company and starting to send business there. Is, is that kind of what you want or what? And then they'd be, no, 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 no. Or, you know, it's, so that's the negotiate, the art of the negotiating process. Just pushing the buttons. I do believe you said earlier something about in a negotiation, you'll eat their liver. <laughs> I didn't, don't remember saying that. I, you know. No, I, the reason I'm bringing that up is because I think why you're so talented at this is you look at what's the pain point of the other person mm -hmm. And you look at what's the opportunity, and you have a way of making them see it differently than they may have seen it before. Yeah, for sure. I think yeah. I think number one is is, and I have that conversation directly. We've we've done that in a lot of the acquisitions we've done, where we say we we really think that we can add some significant things there. And so what what might end up happening is that they say, well, you want fifty percent. The you're giving us twenty percent of the business now. We'll give you twenty percent, and you earn the other thirty when you hit a certain milestone or something like that. So it's there's a lot of fallback positions from 50. I like to start with 50-50 cuz 50-50 just sounds fair, right? Yeah. Oh, we'll do 50-50, right? And then be willing to fall back based on whatever you need to negotiate. Well, after and that. part of the value that you're giving them is they're in partnership with you then. Yeah, right? you're actually actively you are a media channel for them. So they're going to be paying to do customer acquisition. So you could you can value it a lot of ways. I like to value it the way that's most favorable to me when I'm negotiating. Yeah. But um, you could say, oh, what is what's your customer acquisition cost for? A customer acquisition cost is thousand dollars. Okay, great. We're sending you a hundred customers a month. That's a hundred thousand dollars a month. That's a million two over the year. We value the business at two point four million. One point two is what we're contributing through our referrals that cost you nothing currently. You know, there's there's a million ways to do that. But I think the way probably the thing that I would that I would do first to identify possible deals would be, where are you referring business now? Just yep. make a list of every place that you, every referral that you make, and then that's your initial brainstorming list of people you already have a relationship with that yep. makes sense to consider approaching and having the conversation with. And we've we found a, a long, I think it's like 34 or 35 different 
right. things that we've got now. Well, and one nugget I just took from this conversation is if you're doing business with a brand that you're not likely to hit that 10%, yeah. it's time to make an adjustment to that relationship. I think it is, yeah. I, because there, there's too much opportunity and they're probably taking it for granted. Yeah. Right now, as a matter of fact, most of them are taking it for granted and it kind of lights them up of thinking, what's the give back? And now maybe if it's a bigger company and they have the ability to cross-refer back to you, then you can have that conversation. You know, yeah. I'd like to continue to do this, but I'm going to need you to step up your, how can we work together to, of the to integrate me more in my company, more into your business, like I've done for you, right? So you're then yeah. back on reciprocity. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Amazing tips. Are you a new real estate agent struggling to get your business off the ground or an experienced agent looking to get to the next level or something in between? Dan and Carrie have created an inner circle specifically designed to help you. In the inner circle, you'll get weekly training videos, access to interviews from top agents around the country, and the chance for direct access to billion dollar agents, Carrie and Dan. You will have access to the same systems they use to train their team of $250,000 earning agents. Sign up now for a free trial period by going to hyperfasttrial.com or innercircletrial.com. Any other tips that you have for real estate agents that you feel like could change how they're thinking about their business? The, the big things that are, are what you can acquire. So we only talked about ancillary services. Uh, in terms of talking about getting more business, I think that there are, I, I look at there's seven different things or reasons that you might acquire. You might acquire for media, meaning the eyeballs that ultimately hopefully become your customers to, to sign listing contracts with or, or to help buy a home. So that could be anything from a blog to an Instagram account, a YouTube account, a Facebook a group. You can buy all of those things, and we have bought all of those things. I know at Big Block, we just recently bought a, the second largest Facebook group of real estate agents yeah. to help us uh, recruit, and we bought it under the terms they wanted X, let's just say it was 100000 because I don't want to say what it was. But let's say it was $100,000 that they wanted for it, and we didn't want to come out of pocket for it. So we went and found sponsors. We paid $5,000 in cash, and then the balance, we said, we'll give you out of future income as it comes in. And then we went out and got sponsors to contribute all of that extra $95,000 effectively, right? So we didn't pay anything Incredible. for Incredible. Same thing with the brokerage that we're working on acquiring now. Um, the brokerage will pay for itself, so it's self-liquidating. We're going to acquire several hundred agents, and it will cost us about half of the annual net profit that those agents will generate for us because of all the ways that we monetize that they're not currently. We're working to buy a podcast right now, it's let's just make a number up and say they want a half million dollars same thing we go out we find a sponsor and sponsors are cool people don't think about this sponsorships are recurring income owners are one-time investments yeah so if you can get if you can raise the money through sponsors to pay for your acquisition cost or your down payment when you're buying something then they keep paying and they don't own, whereas owners like pay one cash. time and they own forever. It's just cash, right? Yeah. So that's, that's I think, a really important thing. So that's media. You can also acquire for team. So we were going to go into a software app development mode at one of our companies, and we found a company that already had the software development team because we didn't know how to create one, and we were able to acquire that. That's another reason. So if maybe there's somebody that has great transaction processors or great, mm -hmm. uh, is it ISAs or whatever? The, yes. I don't know all the lingo, but... <laughs> But somebody that's got a good system already that has people in it, you can acquire the people when you acquire the company. You can acquire because they have products or services 
that they're selling to your company. You can acquire because they're direct competitors. You can acquire because you're consolidating the, the supply chain. In real estate, maybe it would be that you were going to buy a developer so that you could sell a bunch of houses and then you have the margin on the house building plus the margin on the house selling. And sure. then last but not least would be intellectual property. So if there was content, like for us, media and content can be one and the same, but there might just simply be straight amounts of content. We have a uh, an OSHA certification company that we have a partner in, and um, we we have these programs that help people to to comply with OSHA. And so we are in the process of acquiring a bunch of content that's been produced by a college that we can then sell to our customers. So there's wow. those seven things. I think thinking about those seven different types of acquisition vehicles, and then there's eight, eight or ten different ways to pay no money down for them or, or have them finance themselves. It's kind of it's fun. incredible. Incredible. So what, what blew my mind, if you caught what he just said about putting $5,000 down, how many eyeballs, those, that $5,000 that you paid, mm-hmm. how many eyeballs were in that group? It's, uh, I think it's about, we built it up a little bit, it's about 70,000 now. 70,000 people that are actively engaged. I actually participate and I'm an active member in that group and a lot of you are too. So, and if you're not, is it okay if we tell them? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so it's real closers. You guys should join the group because there's a ton of value coming out of that group right now. And then the sponsors, they're just high-fiving you. They're excited about it. Yeah. So what blew my mind is I didn't, I would have never thought of that right? Until you talk to me about structuring deals, now all of a sudden, it's really interesting to think about how many opportunities there are out there where I could buy something and have continual cash flow with very little or no money down. And you can buy with a, like to not come out of pocket to me is, is fun. And so if there's assets that are borrowable on, and there are, there are lots of those things, then you can borrow on the assets. You can do seller financing just like you would with real estate. You can bring in partners. You can bring in, we do a lot of non-competitive partners if we can't sell it through a sponsor. You can you can do a, what my favorite language we talked about just recently uh, downstairs is the deferred down payment. So most people think of a down payment as money out of pocket now. If you just say, we'll, ha- we'll happily do the deal, we'll do it with a deferred down payment. And then you can defer the down payment means no money out of pocket. You know, that's what deferred down payment means, no money down. We'll do a deferred down payment, meaning we'll make the down payment later in time based either on an event, um, which might be money in or sponsors or performance levels that you want it to hit. Um, But we will structure those so we don't pay anything now, but we know that we're going to generate revenue from the thing that we're buying. And we know how much revenue or we anticipate pretty accurately how much is going to come in. So the deferred down payment is set far enough in the future to let the business accumulate enough profit to pay the down payment. And then it pays for itself. This is an asset-based lending where you can borrow against assets like accounts receivable, accounts uh, uh, purchase orders, inventory, equipment, those kinds of things. There's all kinds of ways to do deals where you don't have to come out of pocket, which is super fun. Amazing. Well, you guys, I thank you so much. I hope you got a lot out of this. If you have questions, please comment below. And if this blew your mind as much as it did mine, please share it and like. Thanks, guys. We'll see you soon. You can also thank listen you. to it on my podcast. Oh, yes. Share with them where they can find oh, your podcast. I have a podcast called Business Lunch. So it's on iTunes and all those places. If, if you like this kind of stuff, we talk about it all the time there. And I interview smart people like this, too. <laughs> thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. See you soon. Thank you.
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hyper Fat Show. Subscribe to us if you want to make sure you get the latest and greatest Hyper Fat Shows. And remember, we love reviews. Reviews help us bring better and better guests and improve our shows. So give us the good, the bad, and the ugly. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you next time.